Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, uh, we're just going to be three wonderfully random ass idiots sitting here drinking and talking about movies because that's how we do and that's how we party on the weekends. My name's Taylor, and these are my co hosts Shannon and Oliver. And what are we drinking tonight, Shannon? We are drinking Jack and Coke, but not any type of Coke. It is 49th Brewing Company started making some sodas. Really good. So it's a nice, nice little mix. And we're talking about being John Malkovich today. Yeah, talking, I mean, we're going to try to talk about being John Malkovich because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Being John Malkovich is a 1999 movie starring John Malkovich and John Cusack. And Cameron Diaz, and if I was to make a summary or a synopsis of this movie, it would have to be that John Cusack's character, Craig Schwartz, gets a job at a very peculiar office building and finds a portal to the mind of John Malkovich. Is that fair? Am I missing Yeah, that's basically... That's basically it. Yeah, that's basically the premise of the film. And what ensues afterwards is by far absolute lunacy and ridiculousness. John Cusack, his, his name is Craig Schwartz in the movie, and he is a a fantasizing, a dreaming, aspiring puppeteer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he gets this job at this office building. Uh, his wife is Cam- Cameron Diaz with a very frizzy mop of hair. Uh I didn't know that was Cameron Diaz for the longest time. All over Same here. Out. Like, for the longest time, I was like, hold on a second. Like, near the end of the movie, it's was like, what the fuck, is that Cameron Diaz? And then I looked it up, it's like, holy shit, that was Cameron Diaz! Yeah, yeah and uh, he finds this hole in this, in the wall that takes you into the mind of uh, John Malkovich for 15 minutes at a time, and then spits you out on, like, the turnpike. Like, on, on next to the highway. Right outside of Rhode Island, uh, Rhode Island, which I keep... Oh, was it uh, New Jersey? New Jersey Turnpike, yeah. Which is yeah. fucking hilarious. I think there's, like, a maybe a subliminal joke in there. It's like, yeah, spit you out at fucking New um, Jersey. <laughs> yeah, and so this, like, I... When thinking about this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, one, okay, my the first thing that went through my head after finishing this movie is, holy shit, I'm super stoked to talk about this mm-hmm. because it is... It, it's an insanely bizarre, weird movie. Mm-hmm. The second thing that went through my head is I have no fucking idea how we're even going to talk about this because it is bizarre. It's weird. It's very weird. It's it's a lot. Yeah, it is definitely a lot to take in. One of the things that kept going through my mind when it came down to thinking about this movie was what is the main, like, you know, themes or elements I was trying to explore? And the main character of Greg Schwartz, he... He starts off as, you know, the starving artist with, like, this great aspiration to be, you know, famous for his craft. But when he's going through the motions of trying to find a job and dealing with, you know, the mundane life type of deal, he gets tempted to, you know, have an affair and all that stuff. And that starts the through line of one of the themes I think is, like, critical in the movie is temptation, desire, and obsession. Yeah, it's it's uh, <clears throat> kind of what I was getting from it. So... He falls in love with his coworker, who like basically not, yeah. instantly falls in love with his coworker, yeah. whose name is Maxine, and she's played by Catherine Keener. Mm-hmm. Um, he essentially immediately falls in love with her, only to get rejected by her. She's not mm-hmm. interested in him. The themes that I was kind of picking up on was like being your true self, like mm. like identity, rea- like self realization, realizing who you really are, and they all these different characters when they become John Malkovich and when we say like become John Malkovich, like literally they go into the mind and see through John Malkovich's eyes, Mm -hmm. who is a real person. So it gets kind of meta. Right. Uh, Whenever they go into his mind, all of them start to kind of realize, I think things about themselves and what they want and what they don't have in the real life. And it's Mm -hmm. like an escape for them. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, initially came to mind was I wondered if the experience of being John Malkovich was it's like the equivalent of having like an acid trip or like you know like an LSD type of trip where maybe it is it presents some revelations to you or are you influenced by the like you know the trip itself and it's leading you to a potential answer but not exactly the one that you're concluding initially like I'm, I'm, that's why I'm curious like in terms of like for instance uh, Cameron Diaz's character, who is uh, Lottie, who is, you know, Greg's wife, you know, she pops out 
from John Malkovich's like experience, like holy shit, that was incredible. And then next thing you know, like the next scene, she's like, I think I might be, I might, I might be a man. And that was like super funny, like to yeah. me, it was like super hilarious. Like in the nineteen ninety nine, to making this like, uh, like what was it, a gender joke? And it's like, yeah, yeah that's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> well, and it's it's, uh, her versus her husband Craig. Mm. Um, they want to be John Malkovich for two different reasons. Mm-hmm. Craig wants to be John Malkovich because of the fame and the money. Like mm-hmm. he wants to be famous, so it's kind of a selfish reason to be a. Lottie just wants to be like seen. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Like she she falls in love with Maxine through John Malkovich, and I realize that this is insanely confusing over podcasts unless you've seen the movie mm-hmm. really. And I think. For me, I'd say watch the movie. Right. But she falls in love with uh, Craig's co-worker, who Craig is in love with, while being John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. And Maxine falls in love with John Malkovich only when Lottie is in his subconscious. Right. And it seems as if that, you know, as soon as there's a scene where... Lottie and Maxine meet for the first time while at you know at the office with Greg, and this the sense that you know they automatically establish like a bit of an attraction to each other, and then John Malkovich is the vehicle that allows them to explore that, which you know fair enough. <clears throat> and what's interesting is that as we're talking about this, I'm recognizing that John Malkovich, you know, the experience of being him is being used as a vehicle to explore the potential lives or the at the missing elements for each of the characters for greg as mentioned earlier it's like fame fortune also later on the means to be with maxine uh maxine is just using josh malkovich just just for thrills and just you know have fun at first yeah at first at first and then lottie's like hey this is an entirely different aspect of my life that i can experience and also later on you know it's her opportunity to have a family that's what she's been wanting for this entire time so yeah it's Fascinating, it, like, this story's using, like, the essence of possessing another being as a way of exploring each of these characters' internal, like... Yeah, you know, it, it, is, it is strange. And I know that uh, Shannon, watching it, I think was having a little bit more of a hard time. <laughs> a little bit more of a hard time than I was, and I imagined that you were. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to hear what you thought. Because Shannon mm-hmm. and I... Well, so full disclosure, Shannon and I haven't spoken, a, like, a word about it. Oh, I snap. just watched it. Uh, Shannon immediately went to bed after seeing it. I was tired, so that could have also. And then we just haven't talked about it. <clears throat> what were your thoughts? The movie for me, it was fucking bizarre. Yeah, I I'm glad that you guys got what you got out of it, and <laughs> you interpreted stuff that because I was just fucking confused. I thought, oh well. He can't be a puppeteer in real life. Well, he'll just be a puppeteer in John Malkovich. That was basically <laughs> yeah, all I got out is, of it. But, but there is, I I think that is some of for me that is some of the like sim, sim symbolism. Yeah, some mm-hmm. of the symbolism that worked and metaphors that worked the best was yeah. He you know Craig operates a puppet, and then Craig becomes a puppet for this like job that he works at. Mm-hmm. In fact, you can tell because he has his hair tied up the same way the puppet does. Right. He becomes a puppet. And then John Malkovich becomes Craig's puppet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of this like cycle of people just being manipulated by other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was pretty yeah. much all I got out of the movie. That's actually a really good point. <laughs> the manipulation that occurs across the board, yeah. Well, it was interesting. <clears throat> Maybe if we should just throw spoilers. I mean, I guess we should. Should we jump spoiled. into spoilers? Oh, yeah. It's, we're basically already in spoilers. I mean, we're basically right already in spoilers. Yeah, yeah it is. You know, I don't know that there's a whole lot to spoil with mm-hmm. it besides kind of the point of what John Malkovich serves, mm-hmm. like the what his subconscious serves for people, and then the very, very ending. Mm-hmm. So I think we could probably just jump, <coughs> jump into that. Jump into that, yeah. yeah. But what I thought was interesting was that John Malkovich was the only one to, or not John Malkovich, I'm sorry, Craig Schwartz was the only one that was able to start controlling John Malkovich. Right. I think it's and because he's, where he is a puppeteer, right? That, that's that's kind of that, So that was the only thing that I had really gotten out of the movie is just the whole puppeteer. Yeah, there's just so so it's symbolism. this movie it's written by Charlie Kaufman mm-hmm. and he's he's well known for making these like kind of I can't think of a different word other than like crazy cerebral like messages and layers upon layers in his movies. Mhm. 
And so the whole time watching this, I was just trying to unpack it. And I even now talking about it, I don't think that I've unpacked everything that there is to unpack. I mean, even the fact that the the building that he works in, it's like two thirds the side, the like the hallways and the and the everything in it is like two-thirds, if not maybe half the size of a normal building. Right, So right. everybody's kind of walking around Can we talk crouched. about that? Yeah. Because that confused me. <laughs> and maybe I was just tired, so the whole movie just confused me. But what was the point of that? I think the one of the things that I've just recognized about this film, and from the get-go you notice it in the dialogue, like, immediately, it's set in a way where you just, just tell the people in this world to fucking screw your shit. Yeah. Like there's something off with it's, everybody. It's not. It's. I think it's like right I have out. So many questions. I think. Well, you should start asking them. I <laughs> yeah, think. Yeah. Right. I think right out the gate, it sets. It it creates a world rather than like setting itself existing in a real world. Exactly. Like, right out the gate, this is like. It's its own reality. It's its own reality. It's not like our reality. Okay. Question number two then. <clears throat> yeah. Why did Doctor Lester think he had? A speech impediment. Oh, when literally because, everybody his, else his, had, like, issues with... It was his... his and then the, the secretary, she couldn't understand anything that... She Craig was the Schwartz one that, like, what? had the speech impediment. Yeah. And she was... She had convinced Dr. Lester that he uh, had a speech impediment. Wait, I thought it was the case that she just had really shit hearing, so... That, too. I mean, I guess that, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. the fact that she convinced everyone else that, yo, know, because I have credentials, I can... When anybody I hear anything wrong, it's because it's not it's me, you, it's you. you exactly. Yeah. And that that was like one of the like immediate jokes that I noticed in the movie. Okay, I see how this movie is gonna go. It's like yeah. one of those satires where it's like the reality itself is stranger than like the actual character to themselves. They're yeah, like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. And then question number three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in the end, we find mm. out that Doctor Lester is like a part. I'm going to call it a cult. I don't know if it's it a cult. It is basically a cult. Some weirdness where they take over somebody's body, and yeah. that's kind of what yeah. the portal that's, is for. That is yeah. what John Malkovich's purpose is for them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Lester's body... Was not his body either. Was not yeah. his body. That was Someone the previous else's. person that he took over. Yeah. But in the end, the whole group mm-hmm. that the whole cult group mm-hmm. goes into the portal mm-hmm. are they all going into john malkovich basically yeah yeah, yeah they all are going into john malkovich and so, i think but that, then that that doesn't make sense because then why didn't all of them go into dr lester well i think what well, happened dr lester could also be a bunch of consciousnesses inside uh, yeah, of I guess him that's as true. well just gathered, and i think it really has to more people over yeah time. i think yeah. it really yeah. ha- i think what it's really trying to do is question like free, how much of what you do is actually you, and how much of what you yeah. do is actually influenced, mm-hmm. um, like free will and yeah. things like that. Well, there was a point, like immediately after Greg first experienced the John Malkovich like experience. That's what I keep calling it. He literally wa- runs to Maxine and tells her about the whole situation. He's like, "Holy shit!" Like he starts going into like the metaphysical like questions that come into play, and I appreciate the fact the movie is like was, you know, willing to have the main character dive into that because, you know, oftentimes, sometimes movies, like, skip past, you know, how would someone realistically react to this? But he just had this crazy experience, like, I just was in someone else's body. Do you know how crazy this is? Do you know what this unlocks in terms of potential? Yeah. What questions this brings up and all that jazz? That's really cool. And Maxine immediately shuts it down. I was like, how can we make money off of it? Exactly! <laughs> and that is a prime example of, like, I mean, how the characters, like, the values it. are different. God damn it. <laughs> well, and then I think one of the funniest parts to me in the whole movie. They had to have been making bank. They, they $200 they a pop? Yeah. yeah. They, uh, I think one of the funniest parts in the movie to me was in that same scene where uh, Craig is like just losing his shit, basically. Like, mm-hmm. this this throws up the questions of free will and your spirit exactly, and your soul exactly. all into, all into like, all in the air. Like, what's real? What's, what's my action? What isn't? He's like, I don't know what to do with this information. And Maxine just, like, gestures to the window. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> suggesting for him to just jump no, on the like, window. No, he's like, I don't know if I can... Oh, I don't know if I can live with this. Or yeah. Or... Right, right. And then she just gestures to the window and walks away. She, like, she's so uninterested or, like, uninvested with, like, dealing with Greg and first was like, I don't give a fuck. Just, like, knock yourself out. Like, literally, get the fuck out of here. I don't yeah. want to deal with you. <laughs> Type of deal. Oh, gosh. And she's really the only one in the whole movie that, it seems like, knows who she is, too. Yeah, she's the most coherent out of anyone in the film and i think lottie would be the second most coherent like she develops her own like sense of self over time because initially with lottie she starts off as you know being 
hippie wouldn't be the appropriate term. She just is a very like animal loving type of character who's like rolling who with punches. Literally has a chimpanzee. Who literally has a chimpanzee. Want a chimpanzee. Wait, did you say you want one or? Yeah. No. Oh my god. No. He was so cute. No. He was helping her. Escape. There's also a moment where you get to. I mean, even the chimp has an arc in this. That was that was funny. It was unsurprising. Yeah, surprising. Yeah. He had a whole the whole time they talk flashback. about how he has, the, <laughs> yeah, the whole like, time they talk about how he has PTSD. He's recovering from PTSD when he was like captured and right, wherever. Right. And then he has a whole arc where Lottie's tied up, and you go into the chimp's mind right. and see his PTSD, and he unties her. <laughs> But Bizarre. it was so cute. Bizarre. At first, I thought he that was, was like able would... to save Lottie when he couldn't save his family. Right, you know? right. And I know he has an arc. Yeah, it's it was crazy. like a redemptive arc type of deal. It was crazy. Yeah. Like I thought they were playing it up. It's like, oh, it's a joke that oh he has PTSD and stuff. But then they did I a thought nice Lottie turnaround. was just fucking crazy. Right, right. That's like, along with Craig. Yeah. And I think that's the cool thing about this film is that it interjects a lot of these like mini, I would say, like arcs or like uh, jokes that pop in, but then they have callbacks that actually like pay off. It's like, oh no, the chip actually does have PTSD. Yeah. Well, every, <laughs> everything about the movie seems pretty deliberate. Like, exactly. I, I don't yeah. think I don't think this movie, I think this movie like hinges on being an art house movie in the sense of like being so weird that it's inaccessible by a lot of people. Mm. But I don't think. I think sometimes in art, air quotes, art house movies, they can be super inaccessible and not necessarily all deliberate. A lot of it's kind of for like interpretation. Because it's so abstract. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This movie, I think, I'm pretty confident in saying that everything is deliberate. Like right. everything feels like it has a purpose, isn't forgotten. Uh, they they answer questions that you as a viewer have, but mm. you don't even maybe realize you have. Like one of the first questions I had was like, what the fuck happens if John Malkovich goes inside of his own like, psyche? What what happens then? And sure enough, he does it, and which is another really funny, bizarre scene where mm -hmm. John Malkovich <laughs> goes inside of his own subconscious and then is transported into a reality where just a bunch of John Malkoviches <laughs> and all they can see, all they can say is John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he just loses his shit and he's like, this this has to be destroyed. This cannot <laughs> exist. Uh, yeah, I it's it's a bizarre movie but there's a lot going on and i appreciate the fact that the movie itself is aware of its situation where the characters themselves ask these questions so just like you know when john malkovich popped into the portal and was like oh i need to check this out like uh, greg was like what the fuck's gonna happen almost gonna happen yeah. and like immediately you know that sequence occurs you know it's funny any any time i heard about this film or saw clips of it that was the only like clip that popped up was john malkovich and like him experiencing his own like you know world itself him being in being in John Malkovich and everything is John Malkovich. Exactly. That was the only context or aspect of the film I knew about. Everything else was absolutely a surprise, and I honestly appreciate that, and I think that's the best way to experience this film. It is definitely one of those where if you don't know anything about it, great. Best way to dive into it. And I think even if you do, like, honestly, I think even if you do know what you're getting into, nothing can prepare you for mm -hmm. what you're going to watch, because it's just so strange. Yeah, like, the way it's executed, it's just like, what? And there's so many parallels, and I mean, even in this podcast, there's no way we'll be able to even scratch the surface, but there's so many different messages, so many parallels. I mean, mm. in the very beginning, uh, Craig Schwartz is puppeteering. He does a dance with his puppet, which is a pretty cool scene, honestly, in the beginning mm. with the mm. puppet. And then at the very end, John Malkovich... Meanwhile, I'm over here like, okay, turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're not watching this. Right, I'm done here. Uh, and Fuck then at the very end, John Malkovich being puppeted by Craig does the same dance. Right. Yeah. But instead, but instead of like, I think that's when they kind of real like they they put out there that John Malkovich Craig is not John Malkovich. He is just like piloting. He's puppeting right, John right. Malkovich because it's the first time uh, Maxine asks Craig as John Malkovich to. Oh, I want to see, like, do some puppetry. Like, show me your puppet work. And then instead of... I thought he was going to, like, grab a puppet and start puppeteering. But instead, he just immediately starts dancing to like, his, like yeah. his puppet. Mm -hmm. So, let's take it back a little bit. Because we were just talking about how Lottie and Maxine mm -hmm. created a relationship while Lottie was in John, John Malkovich. Mm -hmm. But later on in the movie, since you just brought it up, Maxine creates a relationship with Craig. Mm-hmm. While Craig's John While Malkovich. he's John Malkovich. So there's a lot of, like, there's a love triangle going yeah. on. Maybe love square. Well, I think it, yeah. seemed, it seemed like Maxine wasn't interested in who was in John Malkovich. She just said, like, her whole reasoning with falling in love with John Malkovich was, 
have you ever seen two pairs of eyes through basically one pair of eye love yeah. you and see you? Right. And so that's why she only loved John Malkovich when there was another person inside of her that also loved her. And right. both Lottie and Craig loved her. I mean, there's a scene where they both try to kiss her at the same right, time. Right, right. Yeah. And then she's like, looks at Greg's like, I'm not attracted to you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. She looks at Lottie, and I think she says that, well... Like, I have feelings all. I have feelings for you, but... But only inside John Malkovich, yeah. yeah. And I just wanted to explain that because we went back and forth between talking about yeah. Lottie and Maxine's relationship, and then you jumped into Maxine and... Yeah, there's a lot of... Like there's like a it's like a love yeah. square. I'm not confusing myself no. <laughs> by talking about this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a lot, and I mean it. It's there's just the more I think about it, the more that I start to just unpack it in my head, like how mm. Craig brings a portion of the door through with him the first time and leaves it inside of the subconscious, mm-hmm. and then when he is ejected from it or he leaves it at the very end of the movie. He is he is ejected with that piece of wood. Right. It's almost like the last splinter exactly. into John Malkovich's subconscious. Right. There's just so much going so, on. So it's the more I keep thinking about this story and relation to like the structure of stories, like I'm wondering if it falls under like tragedy or like a uh, what was it? There are, there are stories where for heroes it's like, hey, this is things you should do. And in this film, it's more of like the things you shouldn't do type of deal. And Greg, is, as the protagonist, is the example like, all right, this is the example you should not follow. And, and, and I don't even know that he is the protagonist. I think he's, mm. he's like the antagonist of the film. Well, I would say, he, well, wouldn't Maxine initially start off as like sort of the antagonist for like a moment? She's... I don't think I don't think so. I think mm. that you are following the antagonist through the whole thing because right mm. out the gate, Craig is basically unlikable. Right out the right out right. the gate, it's established before he even meets Maxine that he has a wife that loves him. Like Lottie right. comes home right. and she's like devoted to him and all these things. And right out the gate, he immediately starts to like look at and and sexualize Maxine. Mm-hmm. Like immediately. And so imme- like, and I was it- Creepy. Yeah, and so... so it's like, yeah. he, blatantly, like, confessed yeah, he his love within, like, five seconds. like, a day or two. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so immediately out the gate, I don't think you're made to like Craig. Right, yeah. right. Um, and, then, and then, obviously, everything that happens with, with uh, John Malkovich happens, where he becomes John Malkovich and kind of finesses Maxine into thinking that he's Lottie right. inside of John. Now, one thing I did notice that was, as we were talking about the dynamics between the two of them, you know, Lottie and Greg being John Malkovich and their relationship with Maxine, when Lottie was John Malkovich and was with Maxine, you know, that was actually like a more of like a romantic, like relationship type of deal. But anytime Greg is either involved with John Malkovich or is John Malkovich with Maxine, it's always seemed as a way in order to improve status or gain money or whatever the case may be. It's like an ambitious relationship type of deal and one of the things that happens is once greg controls john malkovich entirely then they basically have this thing where what it's like an entire year or something of that nature where Mm -hmm. they are together that entire time and he uses john malkovich's fame to become one of the best well-known puppeteers in the world yeah and achieve his dream like Mm -hmm. everything he wanted he has the girl that he wanted he's super fulfilled yeah yeah he has like the fame fortune all that stuff but A, he's doing this in another person's body, and you see him warp back into Greg's self. Like, yeah. his hair, yeah. his look, everything looks the same. And it's fascinating because he gets exactly what he wants, but he morphs into the very thing that, you know, Maxine was unattracted to entirely. He morphs, yeah, he morphs into the very thing that he was trying not to be, Exactly. Which is himself. Right. And he starts to lose Maxine as a result. And mm-hmm. during that time, Maxine realizes that, hmm, this is, uh... Yeah, fuck this shit. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. This is not what I want. Well, exactly. and then, and then, I mean, coming full circle, mm-hmm. it turns out that Maxine and Lottie did have a real relationship because at the mm-hmm. end they are together. Yeah, exactly. They're they're a couple, and they raise. <laughs> cra- well, okay. It's like they somebody you find child. out <laughs> you find out that Maxine got pregnant. While Lottie was, was John. John, yeah. And so Lottie... But you thought it was Craig. But you thought it was Craig's Until child in John. <laughs> so yeah, it's a weird circumstance. Like, and then, yeah. well, again, I guess coming all the way around, at the end, Lottie and Maxine are raising, air quotes, Lottie John's 
child, <laughs> and they gosh. seem and they and they seem happy. Yeah, the child seems yeah. happy, and Craig is trapped in the child's subconscious. Yeah, because in the midst of the story, when Doctor Lester, right? Um, did I miss that part? Yeah. So okay. So this they had their child, and yeah, Craig was trapped in the child. So, yeah. So yeah. Craig is ejected from, or not ejected, that's not the right word. He chooses to leave Wait, John Malkovich's yeah, uh, subconscious, chooses to leave controlling him because he's trying to protect Maxine, mm-hmm. who he thinks is, well, it's actually more selfish reasons than that. But he leaves John Malkovich's uh, subconscious, and then immediately Maxine leaves him for Lottie. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, we can be together now, like, you're safe, and fuck you, leaves him. And then, so he rushes back to go be John Malkovich again, but at this point, it's already past, what, midnight or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the 44th birthday, I think it was. Yes. Um, and so when he jumps in, he's transported instead to the next host, which mm-hmm. is John Malkovich's daughter. Right, exactly, and becomes trapped. And becomes yeah. trapped, because you can't control them until they're a certain age or something. I thought it was the case that they're, like, trapped forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that sucks. Right, and I think and he's for he's basically like forced he's basically forced to witness through this young girl's eyes his ex wife and his love be together and be happy, and so it's like a prison. He's he's basically damned. He's like sent to hell. Basically, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a prison that he built for himself. And one of the one of one of the messages, or at least like elements or themes that are introduced is. What was mentioned earlier was the fact that he, when he first went into the portal, he had, like, a piece of wood, and he had the, you know, was John Malkovich for the first 15 minutes, popped out, the wood disappeared, and it's like, oh, shit. Throughout the course of the movie, he's, like, using John Malkovich as a vehicle and using him for his own gain, and then the moment he relinquishes the desire or the use of John Malkovich, he comes out with a piece of wood, it's like, all right, you're done. This is your chance. You can be done with this entirely, but if you decide to go back, then that's on you type of deal. And as a result, because his desires for Maxine is so strong, he chooses to go back without recognized consequences because he doesn't know it. And as a result, he gets trapped. So I wonder if that was like an example of, hey, the character had a moment to make a right choice, but didn't, and he's paying the price for it as a result. So I wonder if that's what it represents. Yeah, he, Craig, in, in, besides Lottie, mm-hmm. actually, that's not true. I think Craig is, is the only character that doesn't learn from his mistakes and does not change. He's essentially the same selfish person that he was in the beginning that he is at the end. Mm. Lottie realizes that she is like what she needs out of a partner. Essentially Mm -hmm. Maxine realizes that she, what she wants out of life. Essentially Mm -hmm. they end up together, but Craig stays the same. Right. And that's one of the, uh, another example of the self-awareness of this film is that, there's a point where Craig recognizes that Lottie is using John Malkovich as a means to be with Maxine and actually traps Lottie in the chimpanzee cage. And <laughs> as, you know, he's recognizing his own actions, there's a moment where he's sitting on the couch with Lottie tied up again in the chimpanzee cage, and he's having this realization where he's like, am I the monster? Am I? It's like the protagonist recognizing that, oh no, he's actually like the villain in the story. Yeah. He's yeah. freaking douche. And he's actively vocalizing the fact that he's aware of what, that what he's doing is absolutely wrong and is goddamn douchey beyond hell and proceeds to do it anyway. So that's the other thing too, is that he had a moment to rectify the things that he was doing, but he chose to continue on the path that he was. And it seems like, and recognizing this now, there were multiple points in the story where Craig could have stopped. Like, he could have stopped the path that he was going down, and he even recognized it himself, but he chose to keep going. Yeah. And that might be one of the other, like, messages of the story, is that there's, you know, the path of temptation, and when it comes down to whether it's obsession, desire, or, like, ambition, whatever the case may be, you know, there's a point where there's a point of no return. Yeah. That kind of seemed like everybody didn't want to stop going into the John Malkovich portal. True, yeah, Even Lottie, true. like, she became obsessed. obsessed. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. So, it was kind of interesting, though, that Maxine never did. Like, that's never, she good... never went into the portal. Maybe yeah. it's because, well, as we mentioned because earlier, she, she was, was comfortable with her. Exactly. I think she's the only, like, of, our th- of our trio of main characters, seems like she's the only one that is comfortable with who she is. Oh, and... So that's, yeah, and, that's and, I mean, right out the gate, all... right out the gate, she is comfortable with who she is. Yeah. She right. is 
definitely the strongest character in the entire bunch. She's who I inspire to be. Yeah, oh. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually one of the main reasons why Greg and later on Lottie are attracted to her is because she's so sure of herself. Yeah. And that's actually what, like, there's a point where, you know, they're sitting on the couch uh, and Greg's on, like, Maxine's left and Lottie's on, you know, Maxine's right. And she's talking about how her philosophy in life just basically go about do what you want to do type of deal and if things work out sweet and things don't, who gives a fuck? Yeah. And they're so enamored by this, you know, don't give a fuck attitude and how sure of herself she is that they just like literally just like swoop in and try mm-hmm. to kiss her and she's like fuck you guys that's when, that's when she rejects both of them exactly yeah. but yeah no that's absolutely right like Maxine's the main person in this entire cast who's assured of herself entirely and that's what seduces both Greg and uh, Lottie which I just gotta say mm. how weird that is from us me and Oliver being a couple watching this movie can you imagine if we just had some girl over and then just not even talked about it. Always been in a monogamous relationship, and then all of a sudden we both at the same time just try Isn't to that kiss this what girl. Like swingers are though, basically. Yeah, but usually you discuss it. <laughs> that's true. Like right. well, I what I thought was that really... that's what you're into. Well, that's thought... fine, but they never discuss it. They yeah. both just were on this couch with this girl, and then just tried to both in the exact same moment. <laughs> yeah. Like I'd be pissed. Well, I, right, 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 right. Well, and they are. That's what I because after she leaves. I believe it's after she leaves. They have a discussion where they're both pissed at each other. Yeah, and he's like, "Like, how the hell could you do this to me? Like, how could how could you fall in love with another woman? You're trying to cheat on me." And she's like, "Well, you did it first. Like, right. you fell in love with her first before you even knew." Like, and then she and then he goes like, "Well, I didn't do anything." And then she's like, "Well, you didn't do anything because she rejected you." Yeah, because she wouldn't let you do anything. <laughs> and he sits there and thinks about that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I also think I think you asked the question earlier. I think the. Office space being miniature, mm-hmm. the way that I interpreted it, and maybe one of you feel differently, but I really quickly wanted I was to put confused it. By it I really quickly wanted anyway. to put it aside, and I think it's just I I kind of feel like its whole meaning is just the suffocation of like the workspace. You're he he is mm. like everyone is almost like bowing their heads. It's it's like forcing everyone to bow their heads as they walk around. It's mm. like the being beaten down by the corporate lifestyle type of thing, everything is suffocating and tight. And, sp- and it's like the it's idea of like point. when you're in that space where you're confined and compressed and you're like, you, you have this urge to escape it and you'll do whatever means to do so. And I think that could lead to one of the means that led to Craig, you know, looking after Maxine. Like, the, So the first scene where Craig notices Maxine is when they're doing orientation. It's like, quintessential 90s VHS. Oh, yeah, it's God. like one of those big tube TVs that you yeah. wear into your classroom. Oh, God, that's so painful. I'm like, oh, God, it's <laughs> giving me flashbacks. But, <laughs> but it was in that instance, while he's, like, bored out of his mind, he looks around and sees Maxine already exhibiting that, you know, I don't give a fuck attitude, and that's what yeah. immediately attracts him to it. And maybe that's the thing. The environment itself is an example of, you know, that suffocation, not just in the office life, but also maybe what Greg was feeling externally, like with the marriage and also his failing, you know, artistic career and all that stuff. Like he needed an escape, and Maxine was that means for the escape. Yeah. 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 I I don't know. It's this movie I, was bizarre. As I sit here and think about it, there's just more questions than answers. Yeah. For sure. But I don't think it's a bad movie, and honestly, with its with its, it has a like a ninety. 94% Rotten Tomatoes. It was okay. a 7.8 out of 10 IMDb. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I'll put the question out there to wait, wait. both of you. Before we even dive into like the ratings bit. Well, I wasn't going to oh. rate it. I was oh. see, do you think do you think that it deserves those like ratings? Do you think that it was the hype deserved? Oh, hell yeah. Um with the fact that we're even having this discussion with so many different questions and exploring what elements or messages were trying to be introduced and all that jazz, the movie is well crafted in the sense of it's introducing a lot of different ideas, but is able to keep it in a nice, I would say, tight-knit cohesion where, yeah, it is silly as hell, but it's nothing absolutely breaking. It's aware of itself, and I appreciate that about this film. It's that it's aware of the lunacy of it all, it, but it's willing to explore. Yeah. It establishes right off the bat that this is not going to be on rails, and mm-hmm. this is going to be something totally different right out the gate, so that by the time they find a literal hole in the wall with a tiny little glass doorknob mm-hmm. and they go into another person's consciousness consciousness you're just like okay sure 
yeah, all right. It's like so crazy already at that point that you just are kind of watching it. Whereas I think that if this movie was straight laced mm-hmm. and then got to that point where all of a sudden they go into someone else, because it is pretty sudden, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, they go into someone else's subconscious. I could see that being the point that a lot of people would just turn it off. Big, like, what the what the hell, and turn right, it off. Right. But because it immediately out the gate is so off the wall, you are more willing to accept it. I think for that. Right. And I I also think that the hype is deserved for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's some of the some of the best aspects of movies in general to me are are movies that cause conversation and make you talk about them and make you want to unpack them. And this is definitely one of those. It's like a fun movie to talk about. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Shannon? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. At first, I was like, what the hell is this movie? And I just was not all about it. But mm-hmm. now that we're sitting down talking about it, because you and I, Oliver and I, did not talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it was a good movie. It, it is interesting to see what you guys got out of it. And, like, looking back, I can definitely see that now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it was a really good movie. It just had... It, it brought me to a lot of questions that I did not answer. And I, and I really think that that's kind of like the point. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think its goal is to be confusing, almost. Right. Like, maybe not confusing, but to just be There's abstract. just so much going on, too. Yeah. It's like, it's just like a roller coaster. It is. Well, one, one thing that I don't think we've had a chance to touch upon yet, but I'm curious to see what you guys' thoughts are, is what are your guys' thoughts on like John Malkovich's like performance throughout the entire film? Because we talked talked about all the like the like the three main characters, but this is about like John Malkovich and the fact that you know he's being possessed and being controlled this whole time. Like it's, it was kind of funny that he's played off this like mm, like almost like Shakespearean like very serious he's, actor. He's well, he is, isn't he? <laughs> right, that's the whole. That's <laughs> whole thing. But I think isn't John Malkovich like a classically trained actor? Yeah, that's the whole sure. idea. Like yeah, an like actual a, actor? Yeah, no, yeah, he's, he's an actual actor. actor. Oh, yeah, no, that's what makes in real life. His name is John, John Malkovich, Malkovich, and he is a real actor. Oh, that's what adds to it is the idea yeah. that this is a real life huh. actor that's like you know which. It's yeah. It's like again. It's like almost third wall breaking because yeah, he, if this is such an insane world that they live in, and then they go through a portal to somebody that exists in our real world mm-hmm. where people really acknowledge him and acknowledge movies that he actually was in. Or they so if this movie, <laughs> if if I oh I mean I guess I was alive when this movie came out, but if I was like watching movies and this movie came out, I would have thought that was like a documentary then. You know what's Being funny? John Malkovich, wouldn't like if you just saw the title, you thought would think that was like a. You know what's funny? Yeah, for the longest time, I thought that was kind of what it was. I thought it was like a satirical documentary. Uh, Can you yeah. imagine if that's what you thought it was, and then you just started watching? This? That, that was basically me. <laughs> I literally thought for the longest time, being John Malkovich was just this satirical uh, documentary about like John Malkovich's acting career, but it's not. <laughs> I think so to answer funny. yeah to answer your question. What do I think of John Malkovich in this movie? I think he's pretty great. Mm-hmm. I think that like he does a good job of distinguishing John Malkovich from Craig, yeah. from Roddy, and and he like he behaves the way that I think if, if this was ever to happen, anyone in this insane scenario would. Right. In basically being first, being absolutely thinking you're going absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Charlie Sheen comes over yeah, yeah. in a pretty great scene and he closes all the curtains and he's like, I'm going crazy, man. Like, and Charlie Sheen's just eating a donut and just like, dude, what? It sounds like, this sounds amazing. You got a girl that, you got a girl in your head and she's attracted to another girl. Like, yeah. this is great. Uh, <laughs> but I think like, he does a good job of distinguishing those and then also the distress of what that would be realizing that there's like, you don't have control of your own body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he does what anyone would do, which is get super fucking pissed. Yeah. And <laughs> it goes into his own portal, comes out, and is immediately like, destroy it. This has to stop. Yeah, like, This yeah. is horrible. This cannot, no one else can do this. I totally forgot that one of the, I guess, defining, like, characteristics, at least for me, with John Malkovich and in any of the roles that he does, is that he can get really pissed in an entertaining fashion. And I remember when he got to the office, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's John Malkovich. There he is. Yeah. No, no, everyone's like, no cutting. And he just pushes to the front. <laughs> exactly. He's just like, he, he has, like, a, an interesting dynamic where on one side he's, like, a very, like, almost, he, like, posh, like, classical actor. Then on the other side he's, like, a very aggressive, angry dude. That, that's also, like, borderline scary, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I love that. And oftentimes, I think that's what's played off in some of the characters in some of the other movies that he's done since. But, you know, it's cool seeing that here. It's like, hi! <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I think there's a lot of discussion about this movie, too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions that we usually ask on this podcast is, do you feel like it deserved better? I mm. don't think so. I don't think you could make this same crazy top like crazy movie without the people behind it that made it yeah honestly i think it deserved exactly what spike it, jones God, yeah. and charlie kaufman charlie kaufman writing and spike jones directing <clears throat> Ooh, i just had a thought because this was made in 1999 right yeah and this was the year for any like you know cinephile out there you know they recognize 1999 was like the year with like the matrix came out and then what was it did fight club come out in 1999 too or was it a bit earlier uh, it might have been later than 1999. I thought it was at least 1999, or at least we'll somewhere in the 90s. We'll but it it's one of those cases where the mid to late 90s was just that good period of just, like, cult classic type of, like, movies. It is 1999. Like, oh, shit, there you go. It was just Look like, yeah, you, that's Taylor. good. Hey. It's, like, it's just that, like, that year just had a boatload of just those the, interesting, the fascinating late, movies. Yeah. yeah, the late 90s had just, like, a, yeah, I mean, like, a boatload, like you said, of movies that I feel like would not be made today because they're just so, they're not huge IPs. Mm -hmm. They're not associated with some other big brand or other big movie. Mm -hmm. They are in the late nineties. There was just a string of movies that came out that were just like one off, but like crazy weird movies. I don't think being John Malkovich would get greenlit in like in today with as big a budget as it did. No, no. it, there's just no way. It's but that, too weird. But that's the thing. It'd be an A twenty four movie. But when you, yeah, true. <laughs> but when you think about it, John Malkovich, Fight Club, and <clears throat> The Matrix each have a very similar like premise slash you know setup where they're exploring the concept questioning of questioning reality, questioning reality, separated consciousness, or anything of that nature. And in the nineties, were people just questioning if they were actually real people? Or? I think people still question that. True, and also it was I def- question that. Uh, Are we John Malkovich? I maybe I am John Malkovich. <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely me. There's no, there's no, no I'm but um, but um, a lot of this, um, whether it was just based on books that was being made at the time, whatever the case may be, those movies were just exploring those similar concepts of you know, what is the self, what is reality, and how do you determine the two, and what do you do with some of the answers that were introduced in these films, and that's what honestly made them classics. Is that they were willing to explore these things in an effective manner and bring up these questions. So in 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 those three examples that you made of Matrix, Fight Club, and being John Malkovich, mm. they explore very similar things, but in very different ways yeah. too. Yeah. And and that's what makes them cool. Yeah. There's a sci Matrix is sci-fi, mm-hmm. sci-fi action. Fight Club is like a thriller, almost crime drama esque yeah. yeah. movie. Uh and then you've got being John Malkovich, which is almost like a dark comedy. It, it yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's really cool. Like when you put those movies to like side by side, it's different ways of exploring similar concepts in a way. But you know, and the there's idea. been mo- more movies yeah. since that do that too. But you know, in those nineteen ninety nine that year that the, all three of those came out, that's yeah, pretty crazy. And that's the that's the thing too. And we've recognized this just from exploring, you know that aspect where relevance or resonance over time because it's, it's it is it, it is a, and it is a criterion collection movie yeah which in and of itself and if anyone knows what the criterion collection is is almost like an award of itself mm-hmm. um yeah it is it it's has it's held in high regard by film buffs a lot of film buffs at least and i can definitely see why yeah no i, I can agree and as we were comparing it to like films of the same year that were released that are still recognized to this day. Yeah, it's definitely one of those films that ha- lingers in terms of its, you know, presence and experience of, you know, the cinematic experience. So yeah, it's one of those films that you could go back and watch again and most likely that's, dig deeper into. That's what I was going to say is I almost think that I would enjoy it more seeing it a second time. Yeah. I agree. I think watching it a second time, knowing exactly what, <laughs> well... Like air quotes, what's going on? Mm-hmm. I think I would enjoy it even more the second time. Right. And I think that this is a movie that you could probably watch many times. Mm-hmm. And every time you watch it, pick up on new things. It's so cleverly written. I'm sure you could pick up on new dialogue and new hints and things like that. And I think the more you watch it, the more you could probably unpack it 
and I think that the more you enjoy it too. Now, this leads to what may be considered like a slight tangent, but I'm curious in terms of like your guys' thoughts on this. Bec- after watching a film like this and some of like the older films that we've had a chance to explore, do you feel that older films were better at, and maybe this could be the case of, you know, just the type of films that we're checking out, that older films were better in terms of creating that sense of rewatchability versus more modern films? Do you think before before I answer that, my question, what's old movie? Anything made... Shannon's pouring yourself another drink. Sorry, guys. No, you're good, you're good. <laughs> um, anything made before 2007. <gasps> that's such a specific oh my god year. okay the reason are we why... old i don't want to answer that question uh, <laughs> i think no, like 2007 no, I was yesterday think, i don't necessarily think so because i've seen some great movies that have rewatchability that were made after <laughs> <two> de- <laughs> that was awful i'm sorry so shannon just took a sip of the jack coke she just made and just apparently it was like rough yo how much jack did you put in that she didn't put in that much she's just a wuss oh (laughs) Oh, it uh, also doesn't have any ice either so that might be i uh to answer your question (laughs) i think that there is a lot of really good movies that are made even nowadays that that have a lot of rewatchability i think that the reason it maybe feels like there's not as many mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. there is just like an oversaturation of shit movies. I'm just kidding. Not really <laughs> shit movies, but like movies that are established off of already existing franchises mm-hmm. or, or remakes or rehashes or, you know, made, made off of other IPs, things like that. Right. I think there's less original movies. Yes. Like big original. There, there's a ton of original movies out there if you look for them, but I think like, Big original movies, not as much. I don't think they get greenlit as much as. Well, oh, I think I just realized one of the main reasons. I think A twenty four is just amazing. True. I think they are just like. They're doing completely it completely changing. Yeah. I don't think they're changing it. Not I think changing, they're kind of like. But like they're opening. I think they're opening a door yes. for a ton mm-hmm. of viewers that otherwise wouldn't see these movies into mm-hmm. seeing movies that are not these giant mainstream movies. Right. Like movies you wouldn't expect to be good. Right. Yeah. Like just bizarre. Like kind of like kind of like I guess John being John Malkovich. Yeah. Like and I feel like A twenty four would make something like that. Oh, exactly. and they have made. I mean, Ex Machina is an A twenty four movie. No. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. Enemy is an A twenty four movie. Well, and I think the reason why. Um, Thinking back to the main reason I noted 2007 as, like, the cutoff point was, if anyone remembers, 2007 was, that summer season was literally the summer of sequels. Like, everything... Was that when Spider-Man 3 came out? Spider-Man 3, 3. Pirates 3, Shrek 3, (laughs) The Bourne Supremacy, fucking Die Hard 4, like, Ocean's 13. Ultimatum. Ultimatum, yeah. Wait. No. Yes. Born. The third Born movie. Yeah, whatever that is. It's not yeah, more supremacy. Why do you guys remember one. this shit? Because it was a crazy ass year. Uh, I there was a year of to... trilogy. Yeah. I didn't realize it was 2007, but yeah. Uh, like, I remember of the Caribbean 3, yeah. Shrek 3, Spider-Man 3, all came out mm. in the same same summer. Yeah, I remember going to the, like, the movie theaters like almost every other week because there was always like a brand new movie that was like finishing up a franchise. But if... And I'm curious to see, like, as we go through, like, with more, you know, movies, we might see this pattern. But ever since then, you know, the emphasis on franchises and that being the blockbuster relevance thing was, like, huge. But before then, it felt as if that those one-off movies, like, Shrek is definitely one of those one-offs that became big and, you know, Ocean's Eleven was more of a remake. But things of that nature, you could, or at least the studios were you willing get, to go you out You could get it. them greenlit. Exactly, you could exactly. Get Big budget original movies greenlit and get is, reception and get reception. It is much harder now than yeah. it was back then yeah. because I think a lot of these big studios really only want to green green light sure things air quote sure things which are right. like you know crowd pleasers popcorn flicks. consuming pop flicks that are usually associated with another franchise another IP. Mm-hmm. A sequel, a requel, a remake, whatever it might be, to guarantee <laughs> butts and seats, you know. Mm. Yes, Shannon? Oh, nothing. Oh, you opened your mouth like you are about to speak, and then you didn't say I was anything. just going to say, a prequel? That, too, I guess. I was just adding to the yeah, 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 that, too. <laughs> no, it's fair. And as I've, you know, been hearing some of the feedback when it comes down to, say, a lot of the 
you know, cinephiles who really love, you know, like older movies and things of that nature. And they oftentimes look at the early 2000s as like, you know, maybe being like the last like decent era when it came down to like a lot of original films and things of that nature. I'll also add, though, yeah. that the, the early 2000s was also a very dark era for cinema. And a lot of cinephiles will agree that the early 2000s was also a very dark era for cinema, where mm-hmm. there was, like, glossy, sh- shitty teenage oh, movies yeah. that were all coming out I'm at the same time. Yeah. Well... Because looking back at it, like, we had a lot of good original movies that came out and a lot of, like, establishments of really good, like, starting films. But then, yeah, like, looking back, we did have some shit. So it was a mixed bag. Like, we had some really and good stuff, but then we also had some That's probably shit, shit. every <laughs> decade of movies, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I do think that as I've watched more movies, though, and I'm really trying to diversify the movies that I watch, because it's easy to just watch movies that you know are going to be good. Yeah. Um... As I watch more movies, though, it's definitely given me an appreciation for older movies. Mm-hmm. It's easy to just, with especially with like how technology, how far technology's come, and you know, big theater releases. It's easy to just kind of focus on those. But there are some older movies that are that still hold up. Oh yeah, and that actually, um, I actually want to translate that question over to you, Shannon. Now that you have the chance to explore some of the older movies, even ones that you really would not have touched with a like, 40-foot pole type of deal. Mm-hmm. Do you find a better appreciation for some of those older movies, or are you like more willing to explore those type of movies? Like, what, what has been your experience? I mean, for sure. I think that almost every older movie I've watched, I've ended up liking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I do not want to watch older... and. When I say old, I will literally be like, oh, that was made in 2015? Nah. Dang! Oh, cool! I just, like, I love to watch new releases. I have literally no idea what it is. As soon as there is film grain, Shannon immediately starts to If... As a quick aside, we plugged in uh, Blue Velvet, which is another critically acclaimed mm. cinephile movie, mm. and maybe we can talk about that someday. Yeah. But the only aside I'm going to make is that the second it started, I could, like, without even looking at Shannon, I could feel her drifting into into the nether because she just, it, it kind of is grainy, it starts with older music, yeah. and it's like a curtain with, with credits over it, if you've seen Blue Velvet. Mm. Um it's intentionally trying to be older because it's set in an older time than when it was made. Right. And I could immediately, without looking at her, I could just feel the energy being sapped <laughs> out of Shannon. And that's kind of the story for a lot of older movies. I mean... And, and, I mean, that was literally the case with this movie. I Well, one, it was older, and two, the opening scene is... You just aged yourself. It was made in 1999. It's not that old. Okay. I guess it's 20. It was yeah. older, and the opening scene was... The puppet that Craig was controlling, but you, all you see is the puppet. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I am not watching this shit. <laughs> Oliver literally had to be like, it's not like this the whole movie. Right, right. <laughs> it's not about a puppet. I thought I was just going to oh, be watching no, puppets. Maybe it kind of is about a puppet. I mean, it is, yeah, but you're yeah. not, not watching Not that type a of puppet. Not a little marionette. wood puppet. You're like so movie. done. You're like ready to like, nope, exit, like, take this discount. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Had we not decided we were going to do this episode about this movie, mm. I don't know that Shannon would have paid any attention to it. Oh no, like, I, I doubt like that. Not. Yeah, I, and I, I just guess suck. That that means <laughs> yeah that yeah maybe you do suck. Oh my god, I, that just leaves me. That just I leaves like me to watch to my, movies like Fantasy Island. Oh my. Wait, god. what? I no, watch. I'm. I'm no, the, no, the no, queen of trash this. movies. Shannon oh is the worst. <laughs> she, Why am I on this podcast? I don't know why you're on this podcast. Shannon loves. Oh God, it, the worst. A hundred percent of the time, if you give Shannon the remote to pick a movie, one hundred percent of the time, there is a zero percent fail rate that she will pick a movie that is. Hot garbage, and I'm not shitting hot on. Garbage. I'm not shitting on Shannon. <laughs> not she, cold garbage. I'm not hot shitting on, on fire Shannon because she also agrees. I've picked some good movies like, before. Like, yeah, that's. <laughs> good, but... Wait, wait, like give her at least like five seconds. I'm gonna okay. curious to see. Five, four, three, two. 
Well, oh, if you yeah. had to think that far, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, well, I gave you. Time. And I think the thing is, is she would agree that they're garbage movies, but she's yeah. just attracted to shit movies. I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't understand. What but <laughs> as as we begin to talk about shitty movies, and we talked about some great movies, I do think it's probably about that time yeah. for what we would rate this movie. So mm-hmm. I'll start with the person who just said that she loves. Fantasy Island, which is me. a horrible movie. <laughs> what would out of five stars? What would you rate Bing John Malkovich? It's a hard one. I'd give it like a three and a half, four. Oh, if you had to pick three and a half or four, I probably would lean more towards three and a half, just because I have so many questions and I hate having questions. Same. Like I, which I know it's good, and it obviously creates conversation for movies, but I don't what? want answers. So you, do you feel unsatisfied after watching? Not necessarily. Oh. I'm just like, there's just so much going on. It's absurdity on and there's just bothers like, you because yeah. there's not an explanation for why it's so absurd. Yeah, but it's not like it was like, it, it didn't, I, mean, I don't I know. I think all the it big questions. the movie. It was just think, like so, it was just a lot. I think all the big questions that you need to know answers to are answered. Yeah. But I think all the weird little quirks that it has aren't answered like right. the, why the office is small why she has a chimpanzee i mean chimpanzee. they do kind of like weirdly <laughs> explain why the office is small but it's right. just like like in terms of the film but not like in a satisfying way yeah, yeah. That, i guess that's what i'm yeah it yeah. is like it is it is soaked in its own lore and exactly. it's just kind of it's just can like you have to accept its right. own lore yeah there's the movie explanation then there's like the meta explanation in terms of like symbology and all that stuff and then there's like the storytelling and explanation and all that stuff so <clears throat> when you start diving into each of those elements it's like i must start telling back. people that this movie is about a documentary of john malkovich i mean that's like Just literally what i thought too so like it's a good way to dive into i still it. can't get past that he's actually a real person <laughs> i think that if and you... if this movie came out and all you saw was that title you'd probably think it was like about him that's but yeah i don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole but be- john malkovich being puppeteered by people, maybe that is kind of the oh. reality of his life. Oh, so you're saying like being an actor and like the yes. reality? No, for of, sure. Yes, for oh, okay, fair, being, fair. Yeah. Being on stage, yeah. being forced to perform and all these things. And I'm not, probably not, I'm sure he loves his job, I'm sure he's like, but, but I'm just saying like maybe that is the giant picture. Maybe yeah. the giant picture is being John Malkovich is, is being puppeteered. It is a weird documentary puppeteered. about John Malkovich. Yeah. <laughs> sure. With portals. Exactly. And I think that if you explain this movie to anybody, they are probably going to be turned off from seeing it. Yeah, I'm sure that we confused everybody listening. I think this, like, this podcast is probably is completely <laughs> incoherent. But if you right. watched this movie, then you know this movie is kind of incoherent yeah. in its own way. So. And I can understand films trying to do something like this. It can easily get derailed and turn into a complete hot mess. But I think this film. I don't think affect- this one does. Right, right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like the this film did very well in making sure that it kept the various, you know, unique elements that it was, you know, juggling at the same time, having enough presence where it's relevant, but adding enough mystery where you can have those questions and be able to see like how everything is connected mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So it did well in terms of executing what it was trying to do, at least in my eyes. Yeah. yeah. But it's probably like very impossible for anybody to understand when we're trying to explain it to them if they haven't watched the movie. <laughs> like, but like, if you do the watch only, the movie, the only, it does make sense. Yeah. I think I think the only way that you can recommend this movie mm-hmm. is if you know like you can only recommend it to a close friend. And the reason that I say that is because you almost have to know the type of movies that somebody is into to yeah. recommend them this movie. Because yeah. But would you recommend this movie to me? No. No, I would absolutely not. Okay, and there you go. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm not saying I they did ha- enjoy not, the movie. No, 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 I'm not no, I I'm not saying you have to be uh, what I'm saying is you almost have to know how someone I think if if I recommended this to you and you were by yourself, you would have shut it off within the first 5 minutes. Had we talked about it afterwards? No. I don't think so. I was just so only, utterly confused. The only point that I'm making is like this movie is so strange, and it's so impossible to give a synopsis that does its, it justice that you almost have to know that someone is going to give it the time it needs and the type of movie that someone is willing to watch to recommend it. And whereas, like, yeah. whereas, like, Top Gun Maverick, mm. it is a, basically a movie about fighter jets. 
And if someone's like, oh, that sounds cool, done. Go see it. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> Being John Malkovich, it's a movie about a, a weird puppeteer guy that is in a tiny office that finds a portal that becomes the real John Yeah, Most people are going to be like, wow, why do I want to watch this movie? Right. Oh, it's really good. And they'll be like, okay, there's other movies. The yeah. only point that I'm trying to make is that knowing the person that you are recommending it to, I think will help assure that they actually follow through with seeing it mm-hmm. without immediately being turned off or going in and being completely disgusted with your recommendation because it's such a weird movie. Yeah. And I, I can agree with that. And um, after this quick point, I'll, I'll introduce my rating. But yeah, no, I think it's the the fact that this movie is so weird. You, If you know like your, like a friend's taste in movies is much more open-minded. Like If they're much more an open-minded like, cinephile and they're like, oh, hey, I'm down to watch any type of movie. Yes. This is definitely the type of movie like throw this at them yes. type of deal. Yes, but, that for sure. But if they're the... Um, if you're talking to someone who's much more of like a blockbuster type of movie type of person, like they love watching, say, Mission Impossible or Transformers, things of that nature, and that's like the only type of film they watch, this will be a beyond stretch for yeah. them to even try. And I guess that is what I'm saying is like, it, it's you almost have to know the person personally that you're recommending this movie to, I think. Mm-hmm. Just be, like, it, it's hard to blanket, st- as much as, and I'll get in my rating after yours, as mm-hmm. much as I would recommend this movie it's hard for me to just say hey everybody should go watch it because it is a little bit hard it's a little bit less accessible than say you know mission impossible or Transformers. hell i um i was just thinking this it might like out of like the examples we just did with like like matrix and fight club matrix is easily accessible fight club is right below that and then being john malkovich is below that and I would say being John Malkovich is like considerably below. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> um, and that's not to say it's inaccessible, but it is unabashedly its own thing. Yeah, and it's not trying to hold your hand. You just have to kind of go on the ride, basically. And in terms of rating uh, out of five, I would give this four point five. Four and a half out of five. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Dang. Me personally, I thought about this a lot. Uh, Kind of went back and forth for a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think for me it'd be like a four. Really? Yeah. Just straight four. I think for me it'd be like a straight four. Yeah. Oh, I think cute? it's. Like, yeah. I think that it's. I think it is such a strange movie that it prevents me from necessarily going all the way to like a four point five or five. Right. Um. But I think it is a great movie. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's a it, great film. It yeah. is, it, as, as strange as the movie is, it's hard. It, my rationale for giving it a four is also equally strange because I really, really like the movie. I think it's really good. I can't really think of things it could do to improve itself. But it is a strange movie. Right. And I think the reason why, you know, and this gives background to why I give it a 4.5, for what it is by itself, for its own you know, close-knit story, it does well in being able to just execute the silliness, absolute madness that goes on in the film, but also explore various themes and topics that honestly explores, like, the choices of some of these characters and the consequences of them, and really asks some, like, unique questions that kind of build, melts into the metaphysical. And it's a fun movie to explore these ideas. Yeah. And... As a result, the fact that a film like this was even made, and the actors and the, the team that was involved with it put so much effort into it, and it actually is executed the way that it is, is in of itself just awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. and I also I think, on an earlier point, I think that if I watched it again, I would not be surprised if my rating went up. Really, yeah. I I agree with that. Yeah. After having this conversation and like seeing things that I didn't see while watching it. Right after watching it, I think I probably would enjoy it a second time around. That's fair. More than I did the first time. So this is definitely one of those films where if you dive into it, it is, well, I would say, improved or enhanced by discussing it with others. Yeah, I definitely think this is a movie you should talk about with somebody afterwards. Yeah, I think it would be... I think it would, I imagine it would be tough to watch this movie on your own and have yeah. no one to talk about it. Yes. Yeah. That's why I was excited as soon as I watched this, like, I, I, I need to talk to these guys about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, this I was like excited awesome. too. As soon as I finished it, I had so many questions, like obviously like Shannon did. Yeah. And uh, 
the only thing I do is like, all right, I'm excited. I try and unpack this. And I feel like we've been sitting here talking for like an hour and we haven't even scratched the surface. No, yeah. There's like a bunch of other stuff like outside of it, but at least this opens up the, you know, the, uh, the possibilities, possibilities for anyone that is going to check out this movie, that there's going to be a lot to talk about when you get a chance to like see it and review it with friends and stuff. So yeah. Um, being John Malkovich, it's definitely one of those must-sees. One of the cult classics from the 90s, uh, late 90s, and definitely maintains his presence this day. Um, any person that is like, hey, what looks good, like, you know, movie from back in the day, you want to check out Being John Malkovich would definitely be one of the ones that pops up if on someone, list. Yeah, if someone wants something a little bit stranger, mm-hmm. I think this is a, a pretty easy recommend. Like, this would be, like, the entry, like, one of the entry levels to, like, surreal reality type of movies. This would be, like, one of those, like, quintessential yeah type and movies. and i'm before I we wrap up i'm i'm i want to check out more of charlie kaufman movies because i really haven't seen that many and i've heard that a lot of his writing is this way so <laughs> i um I, that's my next goal to, to start diving a bit into his work and seeing how this compares but okay cool. all right well i guess that wraps up our podcast oliver and taylor are still on drink one god damn well, and we I finished drink yeah. one. We finished drink one. Yeah. You, you just sit drink two. What are you talking about? Yeah, you. She literally poured herself. Drink. She poured herself a second drink, so it's not like she had a second drink. Is it? Is it any better now? Is it still like absolutely like rough? I feel like I'm a man. Oh, she got some hair, on my chest. <laughs> hair on my chest. All right, well, um, you just got to find a pull to John Malkovich and you upset. <laughs> All right, everybody. We will catch you on the flippity flip. This is Cinema Hangover, and it's been fun. Catch you guys later. Later. Yeah.